This is The Binary Podcast, a conversation about gender. We explore masculinity and femininity to discover what does it mean to be man or woman. And we are your companions in this journey of discovery, Matt and Alex. Welcome to this special episode of The Binary Podcast, Q&A, Christmas special, end of year. Alex, (laughs) welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Now, throughout the time we've been doing this podcast, we've been getting heaps of really awesome feedback, some very constructive feedback, (laughs) but lots of questions along the way. So we thought we'd do a special episode to chew through some of these questions. Sounds good. Very much looking forward to it. Great. Al, would you like to hit us with the first question? Absolutely. So the first question we thought we'd start with is, which episode did you find the most challenging to record and talk about? Throughout the recording of these first eight episodes, what has been your biggest learning? Well, this one's an easy one for me. Sexuality was so difficult for me to talk about. Um, <laughs> it was why why I wanted to record and release it first. I think for me it was so intensely autobiographical and I felt really, really vulnerable talking about it. Yeah, Totally. I can't really add anything to that except that was just 100% the hardest episode to record. I think it was one of those things that is so rarely talked about but also so, like, close to so many people's experience of life Um, and not talking about it, I found that really challenging. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's a lot in there that I know certainly I hadn't had spoken to many people about. And actually, you know what, since then it's felt so freeing just knowing that I can talk about those things and having conversations like that with people now because they see that they can have that conversation as well. Yeah. It's been very rewarding. What about your biggest learning? So I think my biggest learning in that is that overcoming something that is really vulnerable or risky and getting over to the other side of it um, just opens up so much freedom and and expression for other people. I found that my biggest learning has been in that when I share something that's vulnerable, other people share back and that it creates an amazing space for them to be themselves and express themselves, Mm -hmm. which was really awesome. That's awesome. What about you? Uh, Biggest learning for me was how much is going on for men and for women that the other gender just is totally oblivious to. I kind of thought that we all had this shared understanding of the issues that impacted men and the issues that impacted women. Uh, But I really underestimated how much there was just no visibility over some of those things. Yeah, totally. And it's an experience that obviously you think, I think you make up an idea of what it's like for men or an idea of what it's like for women, but you just actually don't know until you hear it. Mm -hmm. And hearing things that surprise you at 27 about (laughs) a male experience was really weird for me to actually hear. Cool. Should we go to the next question? Are we training men and women to need each other less? Oh, I really like this question. So I think in some instances, I think actually, yes. I think generally, and what my experience has been of um, particularly the modern person, and I say that like males and females, the modern generation often are quite individualistic in the way that they go about their life. So I think that needing each other and needing the other genderless, there are obviously things that you can do like physically by having a baby by yourself and that's much more acceptable. You can also just spend a lot longer alone or without the other gender. Uh, needing the 
agenda-less, I think is becoming increasingly like physically possible to keep the species alive, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And you don't actually need men to survive anymore. You don't need no men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is controversial, but what I do you think, think? No, I think it's, I think yes, and I think it's great. Like I don't think dependence, sorry, I think that there is liberty in, in independence and I think that we've moved away from the the period of history where couplings were a man and a woman and so with with greater acceptance of um, different couplings why shouldn't a man or a woman be able to play either role or you know have any set of characteristics and they find someone that really suits them you know I don't think that it's like good or bad necessarily oh sorry I don't think that we should need each other yeah totally what about the question should men and women want each other less or do they want each other less? Mm. Quite different to need. Totally. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they want each other any less. I think that we're creating more fulfilling partnerships because there's less power imbalance. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I think the need part is probably the trickiest thing in that question is need is not, in my mind, a very positive way to frame the relationship between men and women or women and women and men and men. Mm. Um, and I really do like that, that concept of you don't need someone, but you want to be with them and you choose to be with them. Totally. And I'm not sure that we're training anyone necessarily. I'm not sure that it's as conscious as that. It's that attitudes towards gender are evolving. And as a result, the way that we interact with each other is changing too. And I think for the better. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I like it. All right. Who oh boy. Next question. <laughs> This one's good. And I quote, women want equality when it suits them, but still want a man to dominate them in bed and decide on the restaurant. A woman often says she has been making decisions all day with the kids, career, etc., and just wants to be nurtured and looked after. Why is there an emphasis on the female flicking into this mode? Why is it not more acceptable for the male to have his female partner book the dinner table and organise the babysitter? Okay. I'll throw to you for that one. <laughs> Lots to unpack. So women want equality when it suits them. I think that part of the question debate is possibly true to the degree that everyone in this in this world wants things when it suits them. I don't want something when it doesn't suit me and I don't seek out something when it doesn't suit me and I think that's exactly the same regardless of gender. Mm. So I think that alone I agree with. I think the intention behind um, that particular argument might be actually like a bit it's not something that is like positive in terms of women want something when they suit them when it suits them and that I think is like more untrue is is that people just generally seek out stuff when it suits them rather than when it doesn't suit them (laughs) (laughs) it's my experience um the second part I really think is quite interesting that women still want a man to dominate them in bed and decide on the restaurant. I think in my generation and my experience of of me in relationships and then others in relationships, mm. that's becoming also less so the case and it's so up to that individual to decide what they want in terms mm-hmm. of preferences. Domination is something that I think is becoming less and less prevalent or important mm. in relationships and yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. What about you? Yeah, I think, well, to the, to the first part, talking about wanting equality when it suits women, we're, we're going through this adjustment process where we've gone through 
millennia of oppression and disadvantage of women. Now we're empowering them and enabling them to take on responsibility and equality within a relationship. And so, yeah, of course, there is going to be some period of adjustment where there's a shift in expectations. So not only are we allowing women and encouraging women to participate in the workforce, for example, you know, there are still lots of lovely things that come with the patriarchy, like having doors open for you and all those sorts of things. And also way, way more really, really <laughs> terrible things, let me be clear. So I think it's, it's something that makes sense and is totally not permanent. When it comes to domination in bed, if anything, I think that the way that our attitudes towards sex and sexuality are progressing, it's actually opening the door for men to say, you know what, maybe I want to be dominated <laughs> yeah. in bed. I feel um, like that's probably Can't speak true. from personal experience. <laughs> I feel like this one's not about me. But what, what has always been a very taboo topic or something um, that would be a real risk for men or women expressing a desire for those kinds of kinks is now so much more spoken about. There are communities where people can engage with those issues and those discussions. And dudes can totally do whatever they want to do, whether it's what would be seen as traditionally masculine in a sexual relationship or play the feminine role as well. And that is totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so to the point of like, making decisions during the day and then coming home and not wanting to make decisions. I think that totally applies across whatever gender uh, we're talking. Mm. And there are things that go the op- the opposite way to um, this scenario where there are like the financial dominatrix communities yeah. and things like that, which really do prove that sometimes people don't want to make decisions and it's, it's challenging. You've got willpower and when you run out of that, you don't want to make any more decisions. For sure. And we talk throughout a lot of the episodes in terms of modernity and I guess like modern men and modern women, what do you take that to mean? Yeah, I think the modern man and modern woman uh, discussion really talks probably to a particular age group or a, a group with similar views coming through with equality as the, as like the forefront of um, what they're about. And that, might be clustered more around like a 20 to 30 year old age group, but it's not explicitly that there are obviously pioneers um, of the equality movement that have come well and truly before anyone at 20 and 30. Mm. Um, So I think that that's probably what it refers to is a group of people who are really forward thinking and progressive if they're the terms that you're going to start using in terms of equality and, and want equality across gender Mm. what about you yeah it's interesting you say that my take on it is that it's modern in the sense that it represents progressive ideas less so that it's modern in time if that makes sense so i think that we're talking here about progressive social ideas and they're probably well i'd be comfortable saying that they're disproportionately presented and represented by young people because that's the the environment within which they've grown up But equally, there are, like you say, tons of really amazing mature people that are right at the forefront of these moves towards um, progressive attitudes towards gender. Absolutely. And I think also the cause of where the movement came from and and the waves of feminism and the waves of of social progression. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a trickiness too then for, for people that have, for mature people that have grown up in a society where these kinds of attitudes have not been the norm and there's no doubt an adjustment process for them. 
how do we make sure that everyone feels included in this transition towards a genderless society? Yeah, I really do think that's such an important distinction and discussion, particularly for people who don't agree with the really, really far progressive views and the um, very modern way of thinking. I think it's really important to have the discussion open to anyone and also open to any view uh, so that you can engage with that view and understand where that person is coming from. I think that those discussions are probably more rare and people do often seek out similar views or similar um, perspectives to agree with whatever they are putting forward and they use that movement to to push through but leave other people outside of that discussion. Mm. And I think for us to have any kind of progressive movement that actually succeeds, we're going to need to look at how you get people engaged in the conversation and how you find something of interest to them to bring them into into that group. Mm. What about for you? I agree with everything that you said. I would also add that I have no idea and it's something that I find very challenging. And my other reflection is that it must be a challenging experience feeling like attitudes are progressing beyond where you are, whether that's on, you know, gender or religion or politics or anything. Yeah, it must be a frustrating experience. Totally. So the next question is, my sense is that women seem more politically engaged on climate and more likely to make conspicuous personal changes to their lifestyles <laughs> to reduce their impact, going vegetarian, no disposable plastic, etc. How does engagement with politics differ, particularly on social issues and especially on climate? Good question. I think that, uh, and I know that we've discussed the kind of empathy divide um, in previous conversations, I think it really plays out when it comes to political issues. And so I think that women probably disproportionately identify with issues for which they're, which, which generate an empathic response. And I think if we think about things like climate or vegetarianism, they're quite emotive issues. And so for that reason, I think um, women may be more likely to be sympathetic to the cause and probably as a result of that, far more likely to throw all of their Tupperware out or, you know, whatever. Go vego, talk about game changes all the time, whatever it might be. It's not me. <laughs> I, do, I do feel like I, feel like I was describing you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I do like game changes. <laughs> what, what's your reflection on that? Yeah, I also agree. I think the other thing that comes up a lot for me is that a lot of the marketing and targeting around masculinity is you must eat meat. You've got to be very strong. True. I saw recently blokes, blokes size meat or something. Advertised. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Al- it? Aldi. Um, not, and it was an Aldi shout out. Yeah, <laughs> the second shout out. And when I saw it, I was like, "That is ridiculous. How could I, as a woman?" buy that as well and and put through bloke size meat through the cash register. It just didn't seem to make much sense. Mm. So I think that the way we've constructed the need for like aggression and masculinity sometimes ties quite closely with things like eating meat and eating steaks and um, guys really like to do that, whereas women don't feel that pressure. So I find it has been quite easy as a woman to – openly say I'm vegetarian or 
partially vegetarian <laughs> depends on the day um however i can see that there might be some more challenges there for expression of that if you are a man and want to be vegetarian uh, got it so do you, do you feel like for men to be vegetarian they have to give up an, an element of their masculinity i think it could come up that way yeah what cool. do you think no, that makes sense that makes total sense the other thing i think on this question is that women by their biological makeup and their conditioning are far more maternal than men are. And so if we think about intergenerational issues like climate change, I think women are far more likely to be enlivened by that issue if they think about future generations more so than men. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that there's an extra element to this where the interest areas that are often taken up by men or women, like study in economics, for example, it's often disproportionately male dominated. And that's an interest area that people go down that path. Mm. So if you're interested in economics, you sometimes do have to trade off something like climate or the environment if you're, if you're looking at those two extremes. So you'll find that men are much more expressive in the financial world. Mm. Um, and women then are more expressive in the social, social side of things. Do you think it's also a legacy thing where the way that society has been set up, men have been accountable for making financial decisions that, that relate to either their household or the economy forever and ever and ever. Now, all of a sudden, there's this emerging issue of the change in climate and it coincides, well, our awareness of it coincides with an era where women are stepping into positions of leadership. And so it's an issue that they feel that they can really pick up and run with. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you think about building from the base up, if you're looking after a household and you're looking after the food purchasing and the uh, cooking and things like that, you inevitably have more of an interest in the way you dispose of that waste and climate can come out of out of that much more easily than working in an office nine to five. You will be dealing with more financial transactions and decisions um, rather than the climate side. So I think there's like a lot of things that play into people's preferences in terms of the issues that they select mm. to care about. I agree. Next question. In terms of suffering, are female rights as significant as other areas? Is it given too much press? Another one from the whole boy category. <laughs> and a great one for this podcast, uh, giving it some more press. I think <laughs> that female rights... Oh, this question really, really does um, interest me because weighing up, and I find this this discussion comes up a lot whenever I'm passionate about a particular issue, is why are you more passionate about gender issues than another issue? Uh, why are you more passionate about climate issues than another issue? And that to me is a great question. However, it's easily justifiable by the fact that people are inevitably interested in different things and I don't think that it's a... Um, an important thing to rank or, or value them. I do understand the benefits of doing that and looking at the most vulnerable people or issues. If women are not the most vulnerable people in the situation, then maybe you allocate the most resources to those issues. Mm. However, I do think there are so many issues in the world that making it a rank or order sometimes doesn't help. Mm. What about you? Yeah, well, the the... the the question asks whether there's whether the suffering is as significant. I think clearly not, but that's okay. I think it's also important to acknowledge that gender intersects with every other issue as well. So where there is disadvantage, layering gender on top of that can increase the disadvantage. So it's almost impossible to consider 
any any issue with that agenda lens as well. So I think it's important that we yeah we, we consider the intersection that gender has with other social issues, social and environmental issues. Whether it's given too much press, I don't know. I don't think so personally. I think it's really, really important that we have our best people working on a broad range of issues. If we, like you say, ranked issues from greatest importance to least importance and everyone focused on one issue at a time, I think that would be a real drag on progress in society. So, you know, it, it, not everyone has to have the same level of passion and action in relation to each issue. But as long as we've got people working on all the most pressing stuff, I'm cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it probably is a question that differs if you're a government or you're allocating resources and things like that. If you're having to trade something off against the other, I totally get that point. And I think that that's important to consider as well in terms of press. Mm. Seems to be an unlimited amount of press that can be put out into the world now. So I think that the more press something gets, the better. Once it is no longer an issue, it doesn't get press. No, nor podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I mean, th- there's probably not too many pressing issues that affect 51% of the population, right? So yeah, exactly. if we devote time, attention, press, resources to impacting gender issues, we're likely to get really good return on that investment. Yeah, Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Al, it's been a uh, an interesting discussion as always. Really appreciate you unpacking some of these questions with me. Thank you, everyone, who sent in questions and feedback. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you're listening and you'd like to reach out with questions or feedback, please feel free. The binarypod at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.